I'm praying that I will see your face one day in the kingdom of God. And that is why I want us to deal with this question. How will I know that I am empty of the Holy Spirit? How will I know that the Spirit of God has left me? It's a very important topic. Shall we pray? Father, I beg of you to anoint my lips. Help me to articulate. Take me out of flesh. Spirit divine, I need your help. Spirit divine, I need you to guide me into all truths. So I will say nothing but the truth. So may your presence be felt here. I am begging you, be with my friends as well. And bless all my listening friends. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray it. Amen. At baptism, let me begin this way. At wedding, you are given gifts. At baptism, God gives you a special gift. And this is the gift in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verses 37 and 38. And now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do to be saved? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, for the washing away of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. So at baptism, if you are sprinkled, you have not been baptized. Do you know that? You have to be baptized the way Jesus was baptized. Then the Holy Spirit will be given to you as a gift. So at baptism, God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. It is a gift that helps the believer to transform his character for eternity. Because you have to change. You have to have the character of Jesus Christ. His humility, his kindness, his forgiveness. And before your baptism, we were immoral. We were drunkards. We were doing bad things. At baptism, all those sins are washed away. And God gives us the Holy Spirit as a gift. And when he gives you that gift, what is the meaning of that? Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13 and 14. In whom also ye also be trusted. After that, he heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that he believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purpose of purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So at your baptism, God sealed you. He set a mark on your conscience, and then he gave you the Holy Spirit. It's like an engagement ring. Wear this now until the wedding day that will take place in heaven, according to Revelation chapter 19. Now, what does this, what does this gift do? The gift does something to you in 1 John chapter 3. 1 John chapter 3, I'm reading from verses 8 to 10. He that committed sin is of the devil. So before you came to Jesus, you were controlled by the devil. For the devil sinned from the beginning. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Said Jesus Christ has come to destroy the power of Satan that is controlling you. We have dealt with that already. So he has broken that power. And then he says, whosoever is born of God, that is through baptism. John chapter 3, verses 3 to 5. You are born of water and of the Spirit does not commit sin. You don't continue to break the commandments of God. And what does that mean? 
First John chapter 3, verse 4, you'll find, Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So the Holy Spirit in you cannot make, he doesn't allow you. He, he controls you. So it becomes very difficult for you to sin against God. For his seed, what is that seed? The Holy Spirit seed, remaineth in him, and he cannot sin because he is born of God. That's what Paul said. You have, you have the privilege, the opportunity to do anything, yet you can't do it because you're under the control of the Holy Spirit. This is what happens. That's why Ephesians chapter 4, verse 30, Ephesians 4, 30, Paul gave this counsel to all of us. And grieve not the Holy Spirit with what? With your bitterness, with your anger, with your uh, lying, with your stealing. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with malice. So when the Holy Spirit comes to you, he changes you, he transforms you. And then verse 32 says, and you become a very kind person, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, because you know God has forgiven your sins even as you should forgive. This is the power that will translate or resurrect a saint for heaven at the second coming of Christ. Satan has intentionally said that when you speak in an unknown tongue, then you have the Holy Ghost. This is not true. It is never true. It is never true. It can never be a sign that anybody who speaks in any unknown tongue has been born of God. What about the spiritualists? What about the Hindus? What about the Buddhists? What about the African priests who speak in tongues when we go to consult with them? It is not at all. Read with me to 1 Corinthians. Don't let anybody deceive you. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 4 and 6. Listen to verse 4. Unknown tongue, a tongue that nobody speaks under the earth, edifieth himself. You are speaking to yourself. Whatever it does to you is up to you. But he that prophesieth edifieth the church. What I'm doing now, I am edifying you. I am showing you the way of God, the way to salvation. That is edification. Jesus edifies us through his word. And that is what I am doing here. And then look at verse 16. Verse 16 says what? Else, when thou shalt bless with the Spirit, how shall he that occupieth the room of the unlearned say amen at any giving of thanks? Zin Seeing he understandeth not what you say. So when you go to church and somebody is speaking in tongues, when can you say amen when you don't even understand what he's saying? Paul is trying to say that don't let anybody mislead you that speaking in tongues is a sign that somebody has the spirit of God. It is not true. It is rather the power that transforms your character. It changes you. I believe in speaking in tongues. I am speaking in tongues. I'm not a white man. So it's a gift from God. There are people who have, who have been to school, but they can't even speak the language. And there are people who have not been to school, and they can speak good English. In 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 28 to 30, And God has set some in the church, first apostles. Who are the apostles? Those who walked with Jesus Christ. I hear so many apostles in Ghana. Where did they come from? They walked, have they seen Jesus before? These are people who walked with Jesus. Secondary prophets. 
Prophets are those who can prophesy. They can prophesy about God, not about witches and wizards, no. Thirdly, teachers. After that, miracles. Then the gifts of healing, helps, governments. When I hear pastors speaking against government, I wonder where they are getting this information from. When God gives you a message, speak it. Go to the government and talk to him. Don't say it on the radio. It doesn't make any sense. Go to the government like Elijah, Elijah did. Go to Ahab and speak to him. Not disgracing the government on radio. It's against the Bible. Diversities of tongues. Different languages. There are people who can speak so many languages. I can speak a lot of languages. God has given me that gift. And then he asks, are all apostles? No. Are all prophets? No. Are all teachers? No. Are all workers of miracles? No. In your church, is everybody working a miracle? No. Have all the gifts of healing? No. Do you all speak with tongues? No. So why is it that everybody wants to speak in tongues? Be careful. Satan is clever. He knows what he is doing. But covet earnestly the best gifts. What is that best gift? And yet, show I unto you a more excellent What is that best gift? Chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, from verse 1. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I am become a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal. Verse 4. Charity, love, suffereth long and is kind. Charity envieth not. Charity vaunteth not itself. It's not puffed up. Love does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own. It's not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil, rejoiceth not in equity, but rejoiceth in the truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity never faileth, love. But whether there be prophecies, they shall fail. Whether there be tongues, they shall cease. Speaking in tongues will cease. Whether there be knowledge, it shall vanish away. Verse 10. But when that which is perfect is come, that which is in Part shall be done away. Verse 13. And now abided faith, hope, and love. These three. But the greatest of all is love. It's not tongue. It's not speaking in tongues. The greatest of all the gifts of God is the love. The love that the Holy Spirit puts in you for people. You love people. You are patient with people. You are kind to people. So my dear friends, don't let anybody fool you. But let me tell you something. How will I know that the Holy Spirit has left me? Samson was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then one day he woke up in the arms of Delilah. And Delilah says, Samson, the Philistines are on you. And suddenly something strange happened. Let me read to you here in Judges chapter 16. Judges chapter 16. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep and said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. But he did not know that the Spirit of God had departed from him. Maybe you're using another spirit. The Spirit of God has departed from you. Because if the Spirit of God is in you, you will never hate anybody. You will never say, I will never talk to that woman. You will never lend money and then add interest to that. You will never be wicked. You will be kind and loving and compassionate. When the Spirit of God is in somebody, that is how you believe. Samson lost the Spirit of God. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 6. Paul says, if you are a woman in the church, 
and you are chasing men here and there, you are dead even though you are alive. Now she that is a widow indeed and desolate, trusted in God and continued in supplications and prayers night and day. Verse 5. Now I go to verse 6. But she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth. You are saying you are filled with the Holy Spirit. You are filled with the Holy Spirit. Are you sure of that? Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet, you are the first at the stadium after church. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yet, you are the first to consult with the, the fittest priestess. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. But you are following a false prophet and you're using a handkerchief and something to do some magical things. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Yes. But you are doing something contrary. Let me ask you a question. When somebody is drunk, what do you see? You see that his walking is uneven. There is an aroma around the person which is not nice. Psalm 51 verses 10 to 11. Psalm 51 verses 10 to 11. Listen to David, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. God can remove his Holy Spirit from you if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. Listen to my favorite Bible writer, Ellen G. White. She says, I'm quoting, when men are proud, vain, frivolous, not serious with God, worldly-minded, avaricious, greedy, Passion for wealth, unkind, censorious, finding fault with everybody, tending to be very critical about religion and condemning others. They may not believe in witchcraft, but notwithstanding, they are holding communion with an evil spirit, unquote. Testimonies, volume 5, page 224. And the wife says, if you're having these attributes, you are possessed. So you may be speaking in a language, but that language is coming from the Fallen angel. What are the signs of spiritual bankruptcy? How will I know that all the nine things, I mean, some things are going wrong with me. I'm going to give you nine signs. And they are very personal. Number one, there is prayerlessness. Prayerlessness is a sign of communication with heaven has broken down. The mind begins to travel when in prayer. And prayer is always very short because there isn't much to say. Since the Holy Spirit is the one who leads us to pray, a spiritual prayer, prayerlessness is an indication that all is not well with the Holy Spirit. Because my Bible tells me in Romans 8.16, my spirit and the spirit of God testify that I am a child of God. So when I go down on my knees, he tells me what to say. He translates my sinful language into a heavenly language. For the father to hear. Number two, there is this interest in spiritual exercises such as Bible study, personal devotion, family worship, fasting, prayer, witnessing, and the Lord's Supper. When you see all these things disappearing from you, it means the Holy Spirit is withdrawing from you. You have done something. You, have be you become too busy. So you have the attitude of too busy syndrome. You, want, you are too busy, no time to read Bible, no time for family worship. You become anxious about life. Anxious about a baby you don't have. Anxious about a job, about a position, about some marriage, about something. And you find all means to get it. King Saul became so anxious that he had to consult with the witch of Endor. 
First Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28. Listen to what King, King Samuel, I mean King David did. 1 Samuel chapter 28. Very miserable story. I'm reading from verse 7. Then Saul said unto his servants, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. Saul is now going to consult with demons. Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night. They went by night in secrecy, and that is the time we go and do stupid things with the devil. Only in the night. Only in the night. And then, let's come to verse 13. And the king sent to, said unto the woman of Endor, the witch of Endor, Be not afraid of what sowest thou. And he, the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? The king said, What do you see? Be not afraid. What are you seeing? And the woman said unto her, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. If, if Samuel's spirit is in heaven, he should come down from heaven. This time he's coming out of the earth, which means he's not in heaven yet. And verse 14, and she said unto her, what form is, is he of? And she said, an old man cometh up, and is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel. The woman knew, the woman knew that it was Samuel. The woman knew Samuel before Samuel died. So she was lying, lying, lying to the man. Very sad. Number three, there is withdrawal. There is withdrawal. One begins to withdraw from one-time spiritual friends. When you become too anxious, you go, that you go to any mile to get what you want. Anxiety is the end of the true faith. But true faith is the end of anxiety. You withdraw from other, your one-time good friends. And that is why Samuel, I mean, Saul withdrew from Samuel and he withdrew from David. So Hebrew 10, 25 is telling us, don't do that. Mingle with believers. Number four, then you begin to presumptuously sin with iniquity. You rebuild the old things you used to do, and you sin with no remorse. You begin to find reasons for your actions, blaming others for your sins. This is what King Saul did. He blamed Samuel. He blamed the priest of Nod. He blamed David. He blamed all his children for his predicament. Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. Psalm 19 Verses 12 to 14. Listen to this counsel from King David. This is a very good counsel. And I always want to live by this counsel. Psalm 19, verses 12 to 14. Who can understand this error? Cleanse thou me from secret faults. Keep back thy servant also from presumptuous sin. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be upright, and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. What is the great transgression? It is the unpardonable sin. It is the sin that will lead you to death. That is what happened to King Saul. So be very careful. Don't play with God's Ten Commandments. For sin is lawlessness. It is the breaking of the commandments of God. So this time you break the commandments of God openly and you don't care. Number five, you begin to detect sin in others, but not yours. You look for faults in others and use that as an excuse for your action. You look for even Bible examples for your situation. King Saul ended up killing all the priests of North because he saw them as evil. Psalm 50, verses 15 to 23. God says, if you do that, 
I have nothing to do with you. I will tear you into pieces. The time is coming when God will deal with all such people who are finding fault with people and using people's character as a standard for their own misbehavior. Number six, church attendance becomes a problem. If you come at all, you're always late. You are the first, last to come, and then you are the first to go. Sermons don't stay with you because Satan causes you not to listen. You come to sleep in the church, or you talk to people, or you sit outside. You are in the church, but your mind is not in the church. You are talking to people, or you are sitting outside because Satan doesn't want you to hear the sermons. You know why? Read 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Verse 3 to 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 3 to 4. The God of the world will blind in your mind's eye. You will never understand the gospel because he wants to destroy you. Number seven, Satan then attempts to bring misery in your life by strange diseases. Suddenly, you begin to think suicidal. You want to die. There is a feeling of loneliness, anger, bitterness, and rejection. And that is exactly what happened to King Saul when he was rejected. That is what happened to Judas Iscariot when the Spirit of God left him and the Spirit of Satan came into him. And that is why 1 Peter 5, 6 to 8 is saying, Humble yourself before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord and resist the devil. Be sober, be vigilant, because the enemy is roaming about like a lion seeking whom he may devour. Number 8. There is a departure from the body of Christ. Now you decide to leave the church. You separate yourself from the church. Let me remind you something. Just remember that you are leaving the church costs no one anything but yourself. It will cost your salvation, your life to go off, and you become a victim of Satan. You become like one of the five foolish virgins. You will miss heaven. So if you say, me, Master, I don't want to come to church again. That's your business. You are going to be lost. Luke chapter 11, verses 24 to 26. Satan will bring in demons, seven demons, to come and fill you. And they will finish you. And that is why Peter is giving a warning in 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 2, 20 to 22. Don't be like a, a dog licking back your vomit. Don't rebuild the things you have destroyed before. And finally, Satan might end your life suddenly before you repent. He targets you as a lion targeting one deer. And then he will chase you and kill you. He did it to Judas, he killed him. He did it to Samson, he killed him. He did it to King Saul, he will do it to you. Be careful. Satan actually possesses and controls you. Don't allow Satan or anything or anybody to take your crown from you. Revelation chapter 3 verse 11. But don't live in a situation as described above. Wake up from the coma of your spiritual foolishness like the prodigal son and come back to God because your father is willing to receive you. Come home. Your father is welcoming you. Come back to him because he has open arms waiting for you to come. Have you loved us? Have you lost the spirit of God? Next week, I will tell you how you can come back to God. And God will fill you again in preparation for the soon coming of Jesus. I wish you well. Thank you, Father, for this morning, evening. Thank you so much for your words. I pray that you will be with my friends, help them to understand you, 
Help them to hear your word. Let the Holy Spirit translate the message to them and make them citizens of your kingdom to come. It's my prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus Christ knew that his sacrifice for you, that atonement for your sin was very necessary and must be remembered. So he instituted the Lord's Supper. Next time you have the chance to partake in the Lord's Supper, do so with the meaning that you have gotten out of this message. And it will be of a great blessing to you. Friend, we still have the DVDs and audio CDs all made ready for you. We pray that you will make time and be getting copies for yourself and for your friends. We welcome your donations also, so we can keep this program on the air. Your donation will help somebody else to hear about the good news. God bless you as you give. We'll meet you again next week, same day, same time, with another topic. Thank you for watching today's episode of Encounter with Truth with God's seven pastor, Dr. Andrews Lawrence Ewe, an international evangelist. For inquiries, prayer or counseling, Call any of the following numbers on your screen. And remember, your generous financial support is always welcome. Please call us. May God richly bless you. Jesus is coming again.